Christchurch uh, on, well, I think it's relatively sunny day. It is sunny, isn't it? It's getting sunny. Well, welcome to our 10 o'clock church at 10 service. Um, just a couple of notices before, uh, as we start. Um, we have a one prayer meeting tonight, looking at John. There is a one me- a prayer meeting tonight at 7pm uh, in church. Uh, everybody's welcome to that. Um, it's so important we keep praying, isn't it? There's so many things going on in the world. So many things going on in the church and in our community. We need to pray. So please, if you can, come along tonight, 7 o'clock. Really important. Um, Anne English Funeral is this coming Friday at 12.30pm at the, at the Creme. So that's Friday, 12.30pm at the Creme. Um, do be praying for her family and her friends as they prepare for that uh, service on Friday. Um, I think there's two other notices. I know Mark's got one I think Cheryl may have. So whoever gets here first... Over to you. (laughs) 
Good morning, church. I bet you're wondering what this is all about. Um, John Ashton has very kindly organised that on the 29th of July, 12 till 2, um, you can come along and have a go at his club. Um, this will be at the back of church later if you want to just have a pick it up and feel what it's like to pull it to make sure you can. But if you want to come along, just let John or myself know that you'd like to join us. 29th of July, 12 till 2. Thank you. Good morning. Um, hopefully you're all aware of the soup lunch that is taking place on the 16th of July. Well, heads up, something slightly different. It is not soup lunch. We are doing something slightly different because we're hoping it's going to be glorious sunshine, rather warmer than perhaps it is today. And we thought maybe soup wasn't quite so appropriate. So please, would you mind bringing your own sandwiches and we will provide some lovely cakes, tray bakes, and some nice drinks, and we can still all socialize together. We will have other soup lunches, but this time it's bring your own sandwich. So I hope everybody will still join us, and please sign up if you can. That would be great. Thank you. Was anyone else expecting to give a notice? No? Excellent. Well, good morning, everyone. We're a little thin on the ground, but it's lovely to see you nonetheless. So um, we've reached the second in our series of services looking at what church is for. And today, Peter will be preaching on a passage from Ephesians 3 on the theme, Mystery Revealed, a little later on in the service. Um, we've got the privilege of having quite a large group leading us in some worship this morning, so that's very exciting. Um, but I do have to apologise. Um, we were expecting there to be some children's work this morning, but it doesn't look like it's arrived. Um, so apologies for that. I think we've probably taken our eye off the ball a little bit this week. Um, but um, nothing I can do, obviously, at this short notice, but I do apologise um, to children and families, and hopefully you'll understand, and hopefully we'll be back on track um, next week. There are flags that you can wave. There may be some books and things. There may be even be some colouring sheets at the back. Um, if anyone was able to just, who knows where things are, could just perhaps get a few things out of the back, I'd really appreciate it. Um, that would be great. Thank you, Ian. Right. Okay. So I think we need a moment of quiet. So let's have a moment of quiet. And then we're going to pray an interactive opening prayer together. So let's just have a moment before God. Okay, and now would you all like to stand, because um, this requires some actions, so it will be better if, you, if you're able to, if you could stand. And I think probably most of us are familiar by now, we'll, we'll pray the prayer together and there's some very simple actions um, to join in with that go with it. So let's pray. 
Lord, we are here to worship you. Would you meet with us through your Holy Spirit? Teach us through your words. Show us where we need to change. And turning outwards, give us to serve you. Let's try that again. Turning outwards, so if you turn to face one of the walls. Okay, excellent. Let's try that line again. And give us all we need to serve you in the world. For the glory of your name. Amen. Amen. Okay, please remain standing as the worship group lead us in our first two songs.
please take a seat. Jesus is indeed the light of the world and we will never know anywhere near the full extent of what it cost Jesus to die for us. But as we've sung those words, let's dwell there now um, a little bit longer and let's pause and let's focus on the price, the price that was paid for our sin by Jesus on the cross as we go into a time of confession saying sorry to God together. Please join in with the words in full type. Let's pray. God our Father, we are sorry for the times when we have used your gifts carelessly and acted ungratefully. Hear our prayer and in your mercy forgive us and help us. We enjoy the fruits of the harvest but sometimes forget that you have given them to us. Father, in your mercy, forgive us and help us. We belong to a people who are full and satisfied, but ignore the cry of the hungry. Father, in your mercy, forgive us and help us. We are thoughtless, and do not care enough for the world you have made. Father, in your mercy, forgive us and help us. We store up goods for ourselves alone, as if there were no God and no heaven. Father, in your mercy, forgive us and help us. And now may the God of love and power Forgive us and free us from our sins. Heal and strengthen us by his Spirit and raise us to new life in Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. We're going to continue to worship God in song now. Um, we're going to sing In the Darkness We Were Waiting and King of Kings. So please do either um, remain seated or stand as you would like to as we continue to worship our amazing God.
are the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And I thank you that even though you are such a holy, awesome God, you love us and you want us to come into your presence. And Father, I pray that this morning we will experience that presence and the power of your spirit in a new way. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus, I pray. Be with us now as Richard comes to read and as Peter brings your word to us. Lord, I pray that we will have hearts that are open, hearts that are captured by the wonder and the glory of you, our awesome God, for whom nothing is impossible. In his name I pray. Amen. The reading is from Paul's letter to the Ephesians, chapter 3, and we're beginning at the first verse. God's marvellous plan for the Gentiles. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is, the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I have already written briefly. In reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise of Christ Jesus. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace, given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given to me, to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. His intent was that now, through the Church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together, shall we, as we look at God's word together. Father, we pray that our hearts will be open to receive you in our lives, that our minds would be open to your spirit working in our minds, and that our will would be open to you, changing 
and moulding our will more into line with yours. In Jesus' name. Amen. Put your hand up if you like uh, murder mystery novels. Agatha Christie, um, others, I can't off the top of my head. I can't, quite a few of you. Great, I do, I love them. Um, if you go in a, a bookstore, the thriller section uh, is what I, I often head for. Um, yeah, John Grisham, Robert Harris, all these things. Uh, Agatha Christie, it's like a murder mystery. I think Agatha Christie has to be my favourite. Uh, a, a storyteller, novelist, um, the so-called queen of the murder mystery genre. And um, Hercule Poirot is, is one of her favourite um, characters. And, of course, the other one is Miss Marple. Um, and if you've ever read them or you've seen them on TV, uh, you'll know Miss Marple is this sort of shy and quiet, um, seemingly very bashful little old lady who you know, lives in this quaint English village um, and uh, nobody seems to really notice her. And yet she notices, doesn't she? She, she is aware of what's going on. Uh, and realises the, the way that people are relating to each other. She notices things. And, um, and always at the end of the, the novel, she's the one who comes up with the culprit, you know, the guilty person. Um, and the police inspector is just baffled, you know, <laughs> uh, fumbling along, you know, doesn't really know what's going on. And yet she's got her absolute, yeah, this is the person. I know why it is, because, you know, the, 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 uh, the reason for it, she's worked it all out. Um, there are other mysteries in life, aren't there? There's uh, profound mysteries, of course, um, about how God made the world, um, how God put this world together. It's amazing, isn't it? How did God do, it, do that? Um, other mysteries like um, the, the disappearance of the Mary Celeste. Have you ever heard of the Mary Celeste? Uh, where did it go? Why did it, you know, the whole mystery behind it. Anyway, look it up if you don't know about it. It's interesting. Um, and then, of course, you get silly mysteries, don't you? Um, it, it seems to me that, you know, I, I often... I know Debbie's lost something at the moment, she can't find it, but often I've, I've lost something in the house. It might be my glasses, it might be something else, and I often have to ask, where did I put that, whatever it was? You know, husbands often have to ask their wives. It's a mystery, isn't it? There's other things as well that mystify us in life. But we are, in a mystery, you're hoping for the answer, aren't you? Uh, whether it's a cross or a puzzle or, or anything else or a, a story, you're wanting this puzzle to be solved somehow or somehow or other and uh, of course miss marple what she does in the in those novels and, and agatha christie works it all out really well doesn't she she gathers the characters in the drawing room you know she gets all these people and they're all looking at each other was it him was it her and then the, and then miss marple says actually it was you and they're trying to escape but the police are outside St. Paul is the bringer of another mystery. And he is at pains to put across to the Ephesians who he's writing to uh, that this is the, the, the greatest and the most profound mystery that the world has ever known and ever will know. And uh, in fact, he uses that word mystery over and over again. So if you've got a Bible in front of you, if you've got it underneath the chair, or, you know, get up, get, get hold of it. Um, there are Bibles dotted around in the church. Um, and it's Ephesians 3, um, page number. I haven't got your Bible. Have you got a page number you can shout out? 1174. 1174 in the, in the pew or church Bible to be reading it. Ephesians 3. Paul says again and again in this, in this reading, he uses this word mystery, doesn't he? So in verse 3, the mystery made known to me by revelation. 
And in verse 4, he says that he's got insight into the mystery of Christ. And then in verse 6, he says this mystery is that through the gospel the Gentiles are heirs together, etc. And then in verse 9, he says he is trying to make plain the administration of this mystery. So he's using this word again and again. He's, he's falling over backwards to say to them, this is amazing. It's, it's, it's astounding. It's wonderful. He's making a point again and again. This mystery, which we'll get to in a moment, is amazing. And so the point of what he's trying to get at is, and we're going to try and work out what this mystery is as we look at this together. He's, he's saying that this mystery, this, uncl- this unclarity, this, the wonder of what it is that's mysterious, is now made clear to you. I mean, one, when I don't have my glasses on, I can see, but it's a bit fuzzy. Um, but when I put my glasses on, it's better. I can see much more clearly. And so what Paul is saying is, like, so put your glasses on, then you'll be able to see what has been fuzzy before is now clear and brought into sharp focus. And so he then says in verse 6, he then says what the mystery is. And he says that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together, together of one body, and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. Now, to get to what this mystery is, we've got to get away from how we understand the word mystery, okay? So when we understand, when we hear, hear the word mystery, we immediately go to that mysterious thing of, you know, the mystery, murder mystery novels. That's where our mind takes us, to that puzzle. You know, it's, it's a puzzle that needs to be worked out. That's what we understand that word to mean. The truth is unclear, it's ill-defined, we need to kind of work it out. That's how we generally understand this word mystery. So what is mysterious is somehow inexplicable and somehow incomprehensible. And yet in the biblical sense, the word mystery is defined differently. We understand the word mystery in the Bible differently to our understanding of the word. And so the word comes from the Greek word mysterion, which is about a truth that is revealed or that is being revealed. So it's a slightly, it's a tricky way to get, try to get your head around this, this difference of understanding this word. So basically it comes from, um, in the um, ancient world, it's to do with uh, people in the heathen religions, so the, the non-Judaic or non-Christian religions of the day, they would have been initiates into that religion. Okay, so in those days you would be initiated into whatever religion that is. And so they would, have to, they would have to know or understand mysterion, the secrets that are only known by the, those who are initiates in that religion. I hope you follow me. Okay. So those initiates into that non-Christian religion, they are initiated into that mysterion, that secret of whatever that religion is. But in Christianity, there are no secrets that are only understood by an elite. Okay, that's the, this is what Paul is trying to say. There are no secrets to be only understood by those who are initiated or initiated or the elite, as it were, brought into that faith. Um, now, I don't know about you, but I'm often baffled by the Church of England. I, I work in it, and I'm still baffled by it, but even so, it's still mysterious. But let's get away from that. But here, a mystery, in what Paul is saying, a mis- this mystery is about a truth 
that has been revealed by God to his church. So this, in this sense, this word mystery he's using in this passage over and over again, the mystery of Christ is to do with the identity of Christ that is being revealed by the fact that Jesus has died on the cross. And so in the biblical sense, there is no doubt, there is no mystery in the, in the sense of what he's saying. There is no doubt to the true outcome because Christ has always been the way to salvation. And yet the mystery consists in how consistent how men and women and children come to understand that that is true. So, here in Ephesians 3, Paul is trying to put across the mystery that is the church that you, you and I belong to, whether you, you come to this church or another church, wherever else, as the church, we are, we are partakers together in the wonder of Christ's plan of salvation. And so, as Debbie said, we're thinking the big question we think about is what is the point of the church what is the purpose of the church what is the church for why does the church exist why has God put us together in this place at this time for what reason that's what we're trying to grapple with together so I want us to use that verse verse 6 as the as the hinge verse in this passage that really is the hinge verse in this whole passage because that is that'll help us understand that we have got a destiny as those who are believers in Jesus. We have got a destiny. And I wonder if you noticed, there are three reasons or three facts, three emphases that Paul puts there in verse 6 about what we are to do as church. He says three things. He says we are heirs together with Israel. We are members together of one body. And we are sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. Okay, so he's saying there's three purposes, three big truths he wants us to get hold of as people who are in the church or part of the church. So he says, first of all, we are heirs together with Christ, with Israel. Now, um, I was with my dad yesterday. My dad loves New Testament Greek. He's absolutely, he just loves it. So he, he'll be enjoying this. Now, another word I want to tell you. Syncleronoma. I can't even say it. Syncleronoma. Okay, it's a Greek word used here about heirs together. We have been brought into the inheritance of Christ. We are heirs of God, heirs of salvation. In Romans, Paul says, now if we are children, then we are heirs. We are heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. I wonder what you think of, when you think of the, the word heir, H-E-I-R word. What, what does it work, I wonder what it makes you think of. You are an heir with Christ. I wonder, it's, it is, when you think of it, the fact that we are heirs with Christ is breathtaking. We don't really ever take the time to think about it, but we are heirs with Christ. It's breathtaking. Uh, Charles has just become king, hasn't he? Charles III is, has just become king. But I wonder if, just imagine you are heir to the British throne, okay? You're next in line to the British throne. What do you think? You know, one day you would be crowned king or queen. One day you would have sovereign dominion over all these islands. You know, you walk down a street and people would curtsy or bow or, you know, off their cup, whatever. They would call you your majesty. Imagine. 
Or imagine you are the heir to a great fortune. Um, a few years ago, 2016, the Duke of Westminster died. And the Duke of Westminster is one of the, the wealthiest people in this country. So he died in 2016. And um, basically there's a, a, a rule that happens in, in this case. It's the oldest son who inherits. So his oldest son was uh, a young man called Hugh Grosvenor. He's only 25, so his dad has died. And so he's inherited a huge fortune. The, the Westminster family are massively, massively wealthy. They basically own most of West London. You know, Knightsbridge, where Harrods is, and Sloane Square, and you know, Belgravia. They, they own the wealthiest parts of London. So this man who's 25, a few years ago, inherited that fortune. So he's now a man who is... Basically, the fortune is estimated at nine billion pounds. All right, he's got nine billion pounds in his bank account. It's just I can't even begin to imagine how how wealthy he is. Um, he owns many stately homes up and down the country. He is a massively wealthy man. So one day he's unknown. The next day he's one of the wealthiest men in this country. And yet, when you compare that with this truth, this is no comparison. We are heirs with Christ. Our destiny reaches into eternity. Our inheritance outstrips any of the wealthiest people in the whole world because we are heirs with Christ. All the promises of Christ in the Old Testament, all the promises of Christ in the New Testament are ours because we are heirs with him. We inherit all those things. So I want you to just take into your heart and your mind and soul that you and I are inheritors of all those blessings of the kingdom of God. Amazing. We are inheritors of the kingdom of God. That's the first thing Paul is trying to get across them through this mystery made known. We are heirs with God. Secondly, he says, we are members together as one body or of one body. There's another word, sisoma. It's another New Testament Greek word, sisoma. We are incorporated into the body of Christ. We're brought into the barrier that has divided Gentiles and, Greek, uh, Gentiles and Jews has been broken down. Broken down. And so that is where the church comes into the beacon of hope. We are people of hope because that barrier that's divided humanity is broken down. And so therefore, we are people of hope. We bring hope into the situations we are living in and amongst. And so people need to see that in us, don't they? They need to see we are bearers of hope. We are bringers of hope. Do you believe that? You are a person of hope. You bring hope where you go because you are a member of one body with Christ. And doesn't this world need to see it? Doesn't this world need to see that we are bearers of hope? Just think about what's going on in France right now. Just think of what's going on in this country right now. You know, the cost of living crisis and the the threats that are all around us, the government's in crisis, uh, got Ukraine, obviously Russia, you know, all these things. And that is where the church comes in, doesn't it? We are bearers of hope. We are people who bring hope because we have been brought into Christ and we are bearers of his image in this world. And so that's why it's so important, isn't it, that we live out our faith each day, that we live that out in the face of those who are around us watching us. How can we be attractive for Christ in our lives? 
So we've got to reflect him into the world, isn't it? That's, that's our calling, to be authentic and different, distinctive in this world. So how do we do that? How do we reflect that? How do we reflect those values, those Christ-like values and attitudes? How can we live it out? Well, how did they do it back then? In the first century, in those days, the Jews and the Gentiles were literally not quite at war with each other, but they just didn't like each other. They just could not get on because they were from different backgrounds. And yet Paul says, you are now part of one body. Jews and Gentiles, you are now, you're not divided anymore. You are in one body. So therefore, you've got to live together. All those customs of the Old Testament, Paul says, no, you are now one body. You are to, to live together in hope and love. And so that's about how do we get along? How, do we, how are we patient with each other? How do we look, look after each other? How do we understand each other? Paul says, that is what you've got to do now. And that's the same for the church, isn't it? Some churches, when you go to them, are um, incredibly multicultural. Our church, you know, we're beginning to be a little bit more multicultural, but some churches have got all sorts of ethnic groups, all sorts of um, cultural backgrounds in them, and that is an amazing truth, isn't it? That the church is bringing people together because we're part of one church. And an author in America, Bridget Willard, said this, Church isn't where you meet. It's not a building. Church is what you do. Church is, church is who you are. Church is the outworking, the human outworking of the person of Jesus Christ. Let's not go to church. Let's be the church. So let's be the church in our lives each day. So he says we are heirs together with Israel. We are members together of one body as one body. And then thirdly he says we are sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. We are simitoka in the Greek. We are sharers together. So with the Jews, Christ has broken the barrier down between the Jews and the Gentiles. And he says we are all together with the Jews able to share in the promise of Christ. Like the heir, being an heir, we are called to be sharers, to share the gospel. To share the gospel with people where they are at that moment in their lives. With people who are outside of God's mercy because they haven't yet said yes to Christ. And yet God's mercy is so wide, isn't it, and so bountiful. We are sharers of the gospel. What is the gospel? The gospel is the good news that Jesus has made it possible to share in God's plan of salvation. And we are part of that plan. You and I are part of that plan, whether we know it or not, or whether we realise it or not. We are part of God's plan to be agents of the gospel, the good news, and to share it where he's put us, wherever that is, in your streets, in your job, in your college, in your university, in your family, amongst your friends. Wherever you are, God has called you to share the good news that God has got a plan for them, got a plan for you. So we are heirs together. We have had an amazing inheritance in Christ. We are members together. We brought into the body of Christ as one body and we are sharers together of the promise of Christ Jesus. That's exciting, isn't it? I think it is. I think it's the most exciting news that the world has ever known and ever will know, that we have this promise of Jesus Christ that we can live out in our lives. It is exciting. It's a privilege. 
It's a, it's a responsibility as well. It's awesome. And I want to finish with a quote I've used before elsewhere, and maybe I've used here before, but um, Bill Hybels, I'm, I know Bill Hybels has not got it all right, but still in his writings he says some amazing things. And uh, I want to quote something that he wrote a few years ago about the local church uh, and how the church has a destiny and the wonder and the responsibility and the privilege of being the local church. So this is what he wrote, and I quote, I believe that the local church is the hope of the world. I believe to the core of my being that local churches have the potential to be the most influential force on this planet Earth. If they get it and get on with it, churches can become the redemptive centres that Jesus intended them to be. With dynamic teaching, creative worship, deep community, effective evangelism and joyful service will combine to strengthen families, transform communities and change the world. Wow. Let's pray. Let's pray that that is so. Heavenly Father, we lay our lives before you here in this place at this moment in time as your church, to say, Lord, you are Lord of this church. You are head of this church. You are sovereign over your church throughout the world, throughout time and eternity, you are sovereign. And Lord, we pray that you in your sovereignty, that you would rule and reign over your church, as your church is called to share the good news, to share this mystery that has been made known that your plan reaches from now into eternity, and we can be part of that. We can be agents of that. We can be witnesses to that, to our friends, to our neighbours, to our colleagues, as you call us to, Lord. Lord, give us courage. Give us understanding. Give us insight. Give us boldness, Lord, to share that amazing good news, that truth, of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And in his wonderful name we pray. Amen. Amen. Wow, what an amazing promise. And what a responsibility. And it's all about grace, isn't it? We don't deserve any of it. It's all about grace. And we're going to think about that some more now as we have some time to reflect. There's going to be um, the song, Only By Grace Can We Enter, um, that's going to be played on the screen. I know it's a really familiar um, song to most of us. And so can I just encourage you to just continue to, um, to listen to God, maybe if there's something that Peter said that has particularly struck a chord with you. Let's just take this time to continue... Um, that conversation with God or maybe you just want to sit and be in awe of him, whatever it is let's just use this few minutes now to do that and um, after that, Jack and Hilary can we have our intercessions please, thank you
Let us pray. Lord, we learn from Paul's letter to, the, letter to the Ephesians how you do not differentiate between Gentiles and Jews. They are all your people, and they can all share your rich inheritance. If we cast forward 2,000 years, we need to hear that same message, that we are all equal in your eyes. And yet there are factions and forces today that try to deny this truth. Refugees who are driven from their homes by war, disease, famine, or climate extremes are so often treated with disdain and their plight is ignored. Help us, Lord, to do what Paul did following his conversion on the road to Damascus and to see things differently with your eyes to recognise others as equals and to help to solve a crisis that is not just on our shores, but worldwide. <coughs> we know, Lord, that this is a huge problem and there are no easy solutions, but give us the grace and the will to help where we can. I'm thinking of some of those many countries where conflict has driven people from their homes. We pray that you would turn away those who perpetrate evil and put peacemakers in their place. We pray for people who are threatened by internal or external forces in Afghanistan, in Sudan, in Somalia, in Mali, in Iran and Syria. There are so many countries, and please name them in your hearts as we pray for them. In particular, because it's closest to us, we pray for Ukraine and its soldiers and civilians, that you will protect them wherever possible. Take away the Russian threat and replace it with a government of peace and stability. And Lord, as we move close to home, we thank you for our church family and friends and for all who support and help us. For the fellowship of being together in services, home groups and other activities like coffee in the living room, sunbeams and the food hub. We thank you too for our family and friends beyond our church life, for all that they mean to us. Thank you for the joy that they bring us, but also help us to cope with the pain when things are difficult. And on that note, a prayer for Hilary's school friend, Joni, who only has a few weeks to live. We pray that you will give her peace and calm and keep her free from pain. Finally, Lord, we ask that you will show us this week what you want us to do and to say, who you want us to engage with, and how you want us to pray for those things we've brought to you this morning. We ask all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. So before we um, 
move into our final hymn, I just have to acknowledge how absolutely amazing the children have been this morning. Um, I think, and those who've helped, can we just give them a round of applause? Because I think they've just been... Thank you so much. Um, We're really, really grateful to you. You're amazing. Right, and we're going to stand and we're going to sing our final hymn. And can it be? Do come and get flags if you would like to have... Um, flags and um, yeah, let's stand and sing together.
Okay, I think it's time to end. So we're going to uh, say the blessing together now. I think the word should be on the screen. Excellent. Let the majesty of the Father be the light by which you walk. The compassion of the Son be the love by which you walk. The presence of the Spirit be the power by which you walk. Amen. And now go in peace to love and to serve the Lord. In the name of Christ. Amen.